0: Oh, lots of stuff happening that we need to talk about with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer this morning. Morning, Vaughn.
1: Good morning, Simeon. I want to add one more thing to the lineup for a busy day today. News media in the provincial capital have been invited to attend at the Ogden Point cruise ship terminal at 1030. The federal and provincial transportation ministers are planning an event there widespread speculation that they will be announcing that the cruise ships are welcome back in 2022 they are hoping to head off this move in the united states to cut us out of the picture for the alaska cruise uh, uh, ship industry on a permanent basis as you know they mm-hmm. they're bypassing bc ports this year under a, a temporary piece of legislation that the american senate put through american congress but the great fear is that there's a bill there that would make us uh, permanently. And I'm hoping that by announcing today, uh, a couple of things will happen. One, the uh, Americans will drop that idea. And second of all, that the cruise ship industry can start booking cruises in 2022. Uh, this season is lost, and that's too bad. It's bad news for Victoria. But uh, the speculation is this is going to be good news today for next year.
0: Right. Now, obviously, they've heard, right, because we've talked about this a lot here on the show, too, and many people have. I guess Ian Robertson's going to be a pretty happy person. Yeah,
1: Ian uh, says, uh, he told the Victoria Times columnist that he was invited to be there today, uh, and he intends to be there today, but he hasn't been told exactly what to expect, although I think there was more than a little nudge-nudge, wink-wink in uh, his conversation with the uh, Victoria paper today. Uh, doesn't want to steal too much thunder from the minister. Look, uh, the new democrats uh... premier john horgan uh, really, really dropped the ball on this one and and missed the significance of what was going on in the United States. But I think uh, the capital region will, in the long run, forgive the government if we get the ships back next year. I, as I said, I think this season is lost.
0: Right. Okay. So that's coming up at 10.30 this morning. Uh, also, we want to break down kind of more about what happened with the ambulance service announcements yesterday because we're talking to Adrian Dix coming up after the 7.30 news. But it sounds like that's another instance here, Vaughn, where the critical news coverage made a difference.
1: I think uh, this is a really good example of that. I got asked a little while ago. You know, the old guy in the press gallery, been here forever. Uh, question was, what what will it take to get this government to, you know, stop? taking victory laps and congratulating itself on how well it's done and actually focus on some of the problems and i said well you know in the long run it's uh, critical news coverage it's the uh, media coverage has pointed out how many people were left waiting for hours for an ambulance, uh, people who in pain and distress, and, you know, there's some cases where people died. Uh, the coroner's investigating how uh, BC handled the death by death, really, uh, the heat wave. And you finally got the health minister, Adrian Dix, yesterday announcing a makeover for emergency services in the Provincial Ambulance Service. So, uh, you know, more resources, resources, uh, more hirings, uh, upgrades of some of the rural uh, ambulance service stations to uh, four-time staffing, all, all welcome, and uh, new leadership. Uh, you raised the issue in your discussion with Gordon MacDonald this morning. How soon will we see mm-hmm. results from this? And obviously, and the Dixon minister said yesterday, it takes time to train paramedics. You can't just put an ad in the paper and get a whole bunch of them partly because there's so much demand for people with that training in british columbia and the paramedics union has pointed out that uh there's these weird uh I, i would say weird odd disconnects between what we pay uh and how we post paramedics and how we how people who get the training end up being hired by fire departments or other emergency services, emergency responders because um, the job security pay and benefits uh, the paramedics union say is better elsewhere.
0: There was a bit of a step back though too, wasn't there? Because on the one hand, they're admitting that clearly things needed to change and we're going to make all these changes, but it was nobody's fault.
1: Yeah, the uh, uh, Jordan Armstrong of Global TV has uh, obtained uh, and posted online a memo. This is from the head, from the heads of emergency services to emergency services staff about the changes. And there's a couple of things in there that really shed a lot of light on the government's thinking on this thing. And the, the one that really jumped out at me is this sentence. It's important to recognize that any failures that occurred were not the fault of any one person or group of leaders. Uh, any failures that occurred, there were failures. They may choose not to blame any one individual for it, but the phrase "any failures that occurred I, I mean it would be funny if it were not for the the number of people who yeah. were who suffered a lot families who suffered a lot because of the problems of the ambulance service um, Another one uh, that jumps out in that there were many factors and shortages that led to what happened. Uh, there's a promise in that letter uh, from the leadership to the membership or to the staff that the coroner's review will help us learn where BC Emergency Health Services and the entire healthcare system could do better going forward. Um, there were no firings uh, as a result of these any failures that happened. Um, I think that reflects a couple of things. One is certainly NDP policy, NDP approach, which is they don't admit, admit mistakes and they don't award trophies uh, to critical coverage. They don't fire anybody over it. Uh, but in this case, you're seeing the leadership of emergency health services, and again, I refer people to that Uh, memo obtained by Global, uh, which is um, they say that uh, the uh, chief operating officer, Darlene McKinnon, she's the one who was the subject of this petition calling Mm. for her to be fired. Uh, They say that the uh, leadership, including health minister Adrian Dix, she has the full support, as does the entire B.C. emergency health services leadership. Well, if they all have the full support of Adrian Dix, why the hell did he have to do that big shake-up yesterday? I mean, it doesn't add up. They may choose not to admit that there were problems there, and they may choose not to fire anybody over it because they don't want to blame any one person. I get that. But the idea that the leadership has full confidence of the health minister, as I say. I mean, you can ask him this morning, but uh, I don't see how that adds up. If there's no problem here, and if there is no admission that there were significant failures, uh, then why the big deal yesterday? Why the shake-up? Well,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> then why are we all there talking about these changes? But for now, it sounds like, you know, even Ambulance paramedics, the head of the union there, they're supporting this. They're saying, listen, look, we need to do this. And they said, if we do this, they like that.
1: Sure, they got the government's attention. Finally, um, you know, the, the the media coverage didn't just happen out of thin air. The remarkable thing that happened in all of this, and it actually predates the heat dome, is you had whistleblowers coming to the news media, uh, first responders, paramedics, police, and fire police and fire departments all coming forward saying the system was in crisis and, you know, providing the kinds of examples that make news coverage come alive. Uh, We can talk about problems in the system and, you know, pundits have their say and all that. But what really, I think, gets public attention, Simi, is stories like the one of the family that, you know, rushed their relative to the fire department and he died there or the first-hand accounts from police and fire who responded before the ambulance service and and finally i think in one case we had a story where exasperated they drove the person to the hospital because the ambulance never showed up so that's where all of this comes from is I said is those vivid powerful personal stories and I think the other thing is, you know, frontline responders are very committed to their work. It takes something for them to come forward, even in confidence, and tell these kinds of stories. So this, is, this was a real story, and it was one that I think the government finally belatedly connected to and admitted it had a problem and mm-hmm. dealt with it. We can argue about whether or not it's adequate or how long it will take to see results, But this is a a major, major turning point for the way the New Democrats have handled both, uh, you know, the pandemic, the overdose crisis, the heat wave, it all happened together and it overlaps. But the end result is a significant makeover for the B.C. Ambulance Service.
0: We'll we'll see what the minister has to say about it. Vaughn, thank you.
1: Bye-bye, Sim.